Welcome to Balance and Beyond, the podcast for ambitious women who refuse to accept burnout as the price of success. Here, we're committed to empowering you with the tools and strategies you need to achieve true balance, where your career, relationships, and health all thrive, and where you have the power to define success on your terms. I honor the space you've created for yourself today. So let's take a breath and dive right in. always feel so alone on this path of wanting to work and have a family. I used to wonder, was there something wrong with me? I wanted to have it all. And yet sometimes it felt like such an elusive dream. And I wondered if it was even possible. It was only when I began to understand what has been this path that has paved before me and what's my really important role in history that I am passing on to the next generation. If you're listening to this, my guess is you're on this path with me. So I want to give you some important context that's going to help you understand why things feel like they do and to help you realize that you are not alone. And then after I've taken you on a little walk through history, I'm going to share the big shift that I have seen make a difference to how much more connected I can feel on this journey called life. We've all got a shared story as women in this life. And I don't know about you, but I'm a child of the 80s. And we were told in the 80s that we could do anything. It was the era of the working girl and it was the era of women taking on Wall Street and all these movies came out about women in heels with briefcases. But that is only a very small and recent part of our history, which I'll come back to. But while we've been brought up to believe we can be anything, it's important to understand that this is only a very, very recent phenomenon. For generations and millennia, there have been differences, depending on what history books you read, between men and women, and particularly when it comes to women and the workforce and going and earning money. If you think and go back just one generation, we couldn't own a bank account, would you believe? So it was only in the mid-1970s in Australia and around the world that a woman could open a bank account without needing a male cosigner. And if she was single and unmarried in the mid-1970s, she needed a signature from her father to get a mortgage or open a bank account or do any kind of financial arrangement. Mid-1970s, that's not long before I was born, that things were very different financially. Again, in the 1970s was this really big era of women. In 1973, only because Billie Jean King threatened to boycott the US Open, that men and women then were actually for one of the biggest Grand Slams, the first time they were ever paid equal prize money for the finals. And would you believe it took until 2007 for Wimbledon and the French Open to follow? We've all heard ad nauseum about the gender pay gap, and I don't want to go there, but it's important to understand that women being seen as on par and of being of equal worth to men, regardless of how many sets they've played, is a very, very new phenomenon. Even if we go back further than that, it wasn't socially acceptable 
to even wear pants until the early 1900s. And it was only people like Coco Chanel and some of those early famous designers that started to normalize women being still being feminine and wearing pants. Until the 1960s, it was legal to actually refuse to hire a woman just because she was female. No other reason. Nope. And I still remember my mum in the 1960s and 70s trying to get a job and she was asked in the interview, did she have a boyfriend? And she was told that should she become pregnant, she'd be fired. So the, the implication was if you're working, you are a terrible mother and you can work and you can be a secretary, or you can be a nurse, you can be in some of those caring professions, you can be a teacher but everything is the, the women's work is sort of part-timey work. It's extra, it's all the nice, carey, soft stuff. All the important work, all the big, powerful work, all the well-paid work is done by men. Now, I know the feminist inner starts to rage, but that was a very, very real reality. And this was the era for most of us that our parents were brought up in. And my mum was born in 1947 and she didn't really work. She worked a little bit part-time here and there, sort of a secretary or an office administration, but she was pretty much a stay-at-home mum, and so that's what was modelled. So you imagine now we've gone within one generation where the bulk of families, I think that's saw a stat of something like less than 15% to 20% of women worked in the 70s, and now we've gone to women are generally 50% of the workforce and the vast majority of women are working in some capacity because this lifestyle that we want to lead now, particularly if you happen to live in an expensive city like, like Sydney here is one of the most expensive in the world, most families don't have a choice. that the, Their lifestyle requires two incomes. So we've gone from being in this very 1950s house rife, you know, high conservative values and 50 years later, suddenly we are supposedly equal in society. And I say supposedly because we all know that unconscious bias runs really deep. And the reason I share this is to remind you that we have had a seismic shift within one generation where now our biology no longer shapes our destiny. For hundreds and hundreds of years, if you were a baker's son, you could maybe hope to marry a blacksmith a blacksmith's, sorry, if you were a baker's daughter, maybe you wanted to, you know, you might be able to raise your station by marrying, I don't know, a blacksmith's son. And then you might be able to raise your station. But there was only so far that you could climb because society was very hierarchical. Now, all of those limits, all of those ceilings have been removed. And thanks to technology, they're being removed even further. However, Understanding how seismic this shift has been also is a really important lesson in how long it takes our unconscious minds and our biology to catch up. We have these two minds. We have a conscious mind, which is our rational, most recent side of our brain, so our prefrontal cortex, our reasoning, the, the you know, me thinking right now, I'm going to pick up this pen, that's what I'm doing, that's using my conscious mind. Your subconscious mind it's about 95% of your brain's processing power. It's the part of your brain that keeps everything functioning, keeps your liver, your food digesting, your liver cleansing. It's, you know, um, shutting your eyes. It's cleaning your, your everything. It's all of these bodily functions. But your subconscious mind is also where the bulk of your beliefs 
and your habits and everything sits. When we are very, very young, it's important that our conscious mind doesn't actually process everything because we have to learn so much, particularly in those first five years of life. We're born helpless and we have to learn how to feed ourselves. We have to learn to grab something. We have to learn to walk. And if we tried to process everything logically, they say it would take about 25 years for us just to learn to feed ourselves. So we are like these sponges where there is no filtering. Everything just goes straight deep into our subconscious. It's all about all these things that we've got to learn really, really fast. Think about a baby from birth to their first birthday, all the things they've had to master, touching their toes, putting their thumb in their mouth, sucking everything, feeding, you know, starting to walk, dressing themselves, playing, understanding music. There's so many things that our brains have to absorb. However, at the same time as they're absorbing, sucking our thumb and walking and putting a spoon in our mouth, they're also noticing and observing, huh, who does what in the house? Who talks to whom? What's our family's view of money? What's our family's view of gender? Who says what things? And when 95% of our subconscious programming is in by seven, those of us who grew up in the 80s, some of that subconscious programming, this is why things get passed down. Because if you're not aware of what's in your subconscious, you basically, what goes in up until seven, and then your parents then raise you and pass on their, their subconscious beliefs to you, and they're in by seven. This is how generational uh, beliefs and society often functions. And so while structurally we've changed things and we are there, we still have a whole lot of subconscious gumph that we have to deal with. And the way many women have chosen to approach this life where suddenly I want to work, I want to have a career, I've got ambition, and that is encouraged. I can earn good money for that. I get to be at the forefront of my generation But I've still got programs that say working makes me a bad mum. If I'm ambitious and I don't want to be with my children all the time, I should feel guilty because that means I'm a bad mother. If my house is not clean and tidy, well, then I'm a bad wife and I don't keep a good house. It's all these deep beliefs that sit in here that will be running all kinds of behaviours in you. And I know they are there because I've done the work with myself and I've done the work with hundreds and hundreds of clients and without fail, every single one of them are there. And even if you happen to be brought up by a mum who worked full time, they are still there because society put them in. It takes a long time for these subconscious beliefs to be worked on. I call them weeds in your garden to be pulled out so that you can now consciously say, all right, well, my definition of a good mother is one who goes to work. And she buys the cupcakes because she can afford it. She doesn't bake them and she doesn't wear an apron and she loves her job. And yes, she doesn't see her children as much in terms of quality, a quantity of time, but the quality that she has is there. There is still so much guilt that sits with our generation, particularly those who are mothers, who worry about, well, I want to have it all. I was told I could have it all. That was imprinted into my subconscious But then I feel like a bad mum and I'm ambitious and I'm a people pleaser and I feel guilty. So there's all these compensatory behaviours that are running at the same time. And this is why you feel this tension of I want to have it all. Joe. I want to have it all. I believe I can have it all. But it doesn't feel possible because you don't have a whole lot of evidence that it is. Most people who have run from this program 
who have been successful, the women in the 80s and 90s who were very successful from a career perspective and now in their 50s and 60s at senior levels, usually didn't have children. Well, they had children very young and then they continue to progress. So you will usually find those people have grown up children and they are not rising through the senior ranks with toddlers because that wasn't done as much in the quantity that it is now. So that's why their advice often falls flat and you feel like, oh, but they just, they don't get me. They've forgotten what it's like to have little kids and have a sleepless night. What has happened is those women went into a man's world and as the absolute trailblazers, the first ones to do it, they had to be one of the boys. They had to pretend they had something and they had to swing it in the meeting because that was what it took to fit in. There were so few of them. So we have so much to thank them for, for paving the way and being those trailblazers. But what we saw with those women, and this is where I find I certainly struggled finding role models for, okay, so the women who have made it in corporate, who are really senior, kind of acting like a man, they've become quite ruthless. They are not supporting other women behind them because their view was almost, I climbed over broken glass to get here. So you're going to have to do the same. I had to earn my stripes. You have to do the same thing. And I usually found early on in my career, it was actually women who were less supportive than the men because they wanted me to suffer like they had. They earned their stripes. I should have to earn it too. They're not going to make it any easier for me to climb. So that's the role model that we've typically got. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this rule, but this is what these women, what they had to believe about themselves and what they had to do in order to be successful. So the moral model is either a childless woman who, who chose not to go down that path. Very often she's divorced. So she's a single woman, very successful, tons of money, fabulous clothes, looks amazing, but doesn't really have a personal life. Or we have the women who you know, worked part-time and didn't really progress. And that was that, that often is the choice. All right, so I completely sacrificed my family and have nannies raise them and don't really see my partner and I can progress or I need to take a part-time job that doesn't really have much progression if I'm going to work and still be a mother. They're the two choices. And I looked at that path and went, I, I, I don't want either of those. I want both. <laughs> I want the career. I want the progression, but I also want to be a present mother who is here. So this is where we are now. We are the ones charting a new, a new course. We are the ones who want to have it all, but we want to redefine all because those who came before us defined it in a different way. We are now saying, I'm going to have the abundance of the new car and I can afford a nanny if I want, but sometimes I don't want that. I'm going to outsource the cupcakes. I'm going to have the cleaner. I don't really care how my house looks. I might have the nice house, but I'm going to get a gardener in to mow the lawns because I don't have time to do that because I'm more selective in how I use my time. But that takes a different set of beliefs in order to feel successful. And the missing ingredient that I have found as trailblazers at the forefront of this seismic once in a multi-generational shift is you have to have other women beside you who are also on this path. Because you will find that many of your friends will still fall into two of those categories that have been left before us. I remember when I had my eldest, I was in a mother's group and, you know, there were some lawyers and amazing people there who had these big careers, 
I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to, I'm going to work part time and I'm not going to progress. And I knew lawyers who ended up taking sort of almost paralegal or much more junior jobs working nine to three. And I remember saying to them, is that what you want? Like, I'm not here to judge. You, you, you do you, but you worked really hard. And they said, well, yeah, I, I loved being a lawyer, but I didn't have an option. I don't want to work 80 hours a week. And this is the only choice. So, so many around you have not had the skills, have not had the support to say, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to find a new course. I'm going to find a new pathway. And yeah, sure, it can be bruising at the front. It's not easy. But this is why on this journey to wanting to have it all, on this journey to wanting to define what that means for you, you must find others You have to find your tribe. You have to find your people who share insight, who share wisdom, who say, hey, I did this, try this. Did you know there's this thing that's available? Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. We are tribal creatures and we've lost that village that we used to have to raise our children and COVID ripped a lot of that support away from many of us and, and we forgot how to be with other people, especially in person. And to be honest, not having many others on this path beside me is why I started my business. Because on the one hand, I had one good friend who I would chat to about, oh, I can't get my chairman across the line on this thing. And and what can I do with this 65-year-old man? And I can't, I I need to influence him. And in the next breath, like, oh, I I, I can't get this thing off the bathroom. What's going on? Or I'm renovating. What should I do with my new splashback? And to be able to navigate these two worlds of switching in one conversation to, oh, I've just got a $10 million budget approved. What I need to hire these four people. Where should I get them? And having somebody else who can go, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. And then talk about, all right, well, this other thing I've learned from sleep or this thing I'm doing for my body. You need to have others who get you. And one of the greatest joys of my business has been finding other women who are like moths to a flame of, oh my gosh, you get me. Oh my gosh, you, you understand what this is like because it can feel very, very lonely if you don't have your people beside you. And hopefully now understanding the depth or almost the shallowness of our history, of our role here of this seismic shift that we are an absolute part of, you must find your people. You must find others who are going to normalize what you're doing, who are going to tell you that you're not broken, that you're not doing this wrong. And that's those people who choose to book in discovery sessions with me who are looking for help. One of the greatest gifts that I can give them is to remind them they're not alone. And there are very often tears on those calls because They burst into tears at the end and they say, oh, Joe, you've just made me feel so much better. I thought I was doing it wrong. I thought I was was stupid because I couldn't work this out and it feels so hard and nobody else understands me and everyone else is telling me to step back and, and I don't want to. And in me, in this tribe that I've built, they get validation that, oh, you mean I can have my career and I can have a family? And I can have energy and I can be present. Well, yeah, you can, but you've got to find your people. You've got to find the right tools to help you do it because there are not lots of people out there who have figured this out because there are not lots of us on this path. 
This is why I'm so blessed to have found my calling because this beautiful confluence of me being on this path and lining up with the skill set that I had in corporate, which was pulling things apart, understanding them and putting them back together again. And that's what I've been able to do is to say, all right, well, I seem to be going okay on this journey. I'm not burning out. I almost did. And I'm I'm successful. I had a great career. Now I'm growing a, a business that's growing exponentially. Okay, well, wh- what can I share with others? I don't want to stomp on everybody behind me. I want about to bring everybody up and say, all right, guys, the more people that are here beside me, the more people who are going to change corporate, the more mothers who are going to raise children differently. So otherwise we're going to be putting the same subconscious programs about you have to work like you don't have children and you have to be a parent like you don't work. We're putting them into our kids. And I don't know about you, but I've got two girls I want them to believe they can do anything and not feel like there's a handbrake on that. that. That's that's my gift. I want everybody to know that this is possible, but it's so important that you understand your important role in history, that you understand the size of the challenge. And it is not one that we are going to shy away from. It is, of course, one that we are going to nail because that's just who we are. But you've got to understand where it's come from You've got to understand what is going on in that subconscious of yours and why when it feels like there's handbrakes on, that's what that is. That is your recognition that you are part of something special. You are part of a once in a generational shift and it's a journey that you get to go on, but it is not one you can do alone. So today I encourage you to reflect on what has what was your upbringing? What were you told was normal about life, about women, How does this make you reflect on your journey? And I hope has given you a piece of inspiration that go and find your people, come and find us, find a girlfriend, find a mum at the school gate, find your people and learn from each other. Because together, as I say, we will all rise. Thanks for joining us today on the Balance and Beyond podcast. We're so glad you carved out this time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who might need to hear this today. And if you're feeling extra generous, leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice would mean the world to us. If you're keen to dive deeper into our world, visit balanceinstitute.com to discover more about the toolkit that has helped thousands of women avoid burnout and create a life of balance and beyond. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Balance and Beyond podcast.